Well, good morning again, church. It's good to see you guys. Um, I'm going to read our text this morning to kind of kick off our study, and then BJ is going to come up and preach this morning. So uh, I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 11. If you want to turn there, you can. I'll give you a moment. Hebrews 11. I'm going to read the first three verses. And many of you will know this is the chapter of Scripture that talks about all of the men and women who are the heroes of faith and what God accomplished in and through their lives by faith. And so the writer of Hebrews begins that chapter with this section, these first three verses, which we'll read together before we study this morning. And it says this, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by it our ancestors won God's approval. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Mike. Well, greetings, fellow Gentiles. <laughs> if you're not super familiar with Scripture and you're wondering, what did he just call me? Uh, yeah, Gentile. That's what you. That's well, probably what you are, unless you're um, part of the nation of Israel. And scripture, uh, we read about the nation of Israel, and then we read about everyone else. It's the Gentiles, the nations. They refer to anybody who was not part of the chosen ones, if you will. And that's us. We're not part of the chosen ones, according to very pious Pharisees. But as we'll see this morning, we are chosen. Uh, You can open up to Luke 2. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 this morning. Um, and we're pulling up a, a fairly unusual um, story um, uh, uh, in regards to the Advent. It's not typically what you would find for the Advent. This is not a, a story that um, is typically told for an Advent series. But we're going to be honing in on faith today. In Luke chapter 2, you can scroll there. While you're scrolling there, I want to ask you guys a question. What do Princess Diana, Marilyn Monroe, Frank Sinatra, and Alexander the Great, quotation marks, have in common. Ooh. (laughs) I don't doubt you. I think you're... (laughs) They all achieved top marks in their life work. Whatever their life work was, they reached top marks. Um, Absolute tippy-top marks. And they were all dissatisfied and unfulfilled with what they found at the top. Every single one of them. The closest one that you might say seemed satisfied was Frank Sinatra. He's got the famous song, Did It My Way. Sounds very proud of it. But if you ask the family, he spiraled and struggled with depression and had no idea what it was all for. What did I do all this for? Top marks unfulfilled. The hopes and dreams of these people put their, that they put their faith in, money, power, and success, did not satisfy. Their dreams were realized, but the hope found in them proved to be a false hope. I think you could say their faith was actually very strong, but their faith was very strong in a false hope, a hope that did not actually satisfy. We're going to read a short story this morning that is um, 
is, is quite a simple and straightforward, easy story to understand. The story shows a very simple example of faith. And when I say simple, I don't mean small. In fact, this example of faith is actually very profound, radically profound in a person's life. As is often the case in life, the most important things are easy to understand, but very difficult to live out. Everyone knows that if you want to be healthy, healthy, you have to eat healthy and be active. Everyone knows that if you want to have proper rest, you have to stick to a good sleep routine. A smart watch will not make you sleep better. <laughs> Just because you can track your bad sleep. These are very simple things to understand. They're difficult to practice, but their result is very profound on your life. Healthy life and healthy sleep patterns are profound. We're going to look at faith, but why does faith matter? Why do we care about faith? What does faith actually do? Can it do anything? Is faith really all that beneficial to the human experience? Scripture certainly suggests the importance of faith. You can read in passages like Matthew 17, 20, and Jesus tells us that even a small amount of faith has great power. It's enough to move mountains. Faith is very powerful. James 2 tells us that a living, breathing, healthy faith naturally produces works. Faith can motivate. Ephesians 2 tells us that it is by faith that we are extended saving grace. Faith can literally save our souls. According to scripture, that's what faith, these are things that faith can do. Faith actually does a lot of incredible things. Um, and this year for Advent, we're looking at uh, four different aspects. We're looking at hope, we're looking at faith, we're looking at joy, and we're looking at peace. And those are four really, really great things. They're really awesome. All four of them are. Um, and I'm actually really excited to be given faith to preach on because I immediately saw a really clear line on how faith is deeply connected to all four, well, the other three, the other three of these aspects. Hope, joy, and peace. You see, hope is a truly wonderful thing. Hope can grant peace. Hope can bring joy. It has the ability to fill those areas of our lives if it's a true hope but only if you actually place your faith in that hope. Hope doesn't actually do anything for you unless you believe in it. So what do I mean by that? Do you picture hope as an anchor? Okay? An anchor promises safety. It's salvation for helpless sailors. However, an anchor only brings joy and peace of mind if you actually believe, that is to have faith, that the anchor is actually set. You have to actually trust the anchor before you let go of the wheel and stow the sails away. No matter how set that anchor is, if you don't actually put faith in the anchor, you may be safe, but you're not going to be filled with joy or peace when that anchor hits the water. You're going to be the one bug-eyed sailor trying to hold the ship down. If you understand the analogy, I imagine there's a few of us in here who are bug-eyed sailors this morning trying to hold the ship down. 
It's not that the hope isn't real. It's that our faith in the hope needs work. Make no mistake, hope is only rest for a life full of faith. Hope is only rest for a life filled with faith. Here's the real challenge for the world. Faith will only supply joy and peace if it's placed in real hope. If you throw an anchor in the storm that you brought from a storefront and seaside, don't let go of that wheel. <laughs> You're going to get tossed. Like that's just, it's not going to do anything. It's decorative. Now I've become aware over the years that um, I'm kind of an odd duck. We joke about it in the office. I see things inside, outside, backwards, any way that normal. I don't even do that on purpose. It's just the way I am. Uh, my jokes almost never land. <laughs> like, until, until you sit there, I usually have to explain my jokes, which is a bad sign. It's not a good joke. But I just kind of, I'm odd. I communicate weird. It's a thing. It's probably because I was raised off electricity, homeschooled. It's the whole thing. <laughs> so, so to be very clear this morning, <laughs> what I'm saying is this. There are two types of people here in this, in this room this morning, probably, uh, almost guaranteed. There's certainly not more than these two types. People who don't believe Jesus is a true anchor at all. So there may be somebody in this room who doesn't even believe in Jesus, doesn't believe in the Bible. You're here because it's the holiday season or with a friend or because you're made to from family or whatever. There may be somebody in here who doesn't even believe Jesus is a true anchor. And then there's people in here who believe Jesus is a true anchor, but are still learning to fully trust him. And we all of us land in one of these two categories. I would, I, I shouldn't say I know that to be true, but I genuinely believe that nobody in here has perfectly perfected their faith to the point where you can always allow Jesus to take over. There are plenty things in this world that claim to offer comfort, but turn out to be false hopes. Most of these claim to offer an easy life. A life without struggle, maybe it's money, maybe it's fame, success, guarantees that you won't have struggle. But there's only one true anchor in life that can save your soul from sin. And that is Jesus Christ, who... We will talk about this morning, he's also the anchor that can fill us with peace and joy. But only if we're actually willing to place our lives fully in his capable hands. The reason that this is difficult for us is that he doesn't promise to take us out of the storm. He promises to take us through it. why so many other false hopes are so much more alluring and tempting because most of them promise to take you away from the storm. It turns out to be a false hope. This morning's passage of scripture is for all of us today, both groups of people. Today we get to read about a faithful man named Simeon. God wants to speak to us all through his word this morning. And so I'm going to read the whole little story and we're going to break it down. Luke 2, you can skip down to verse 25. We'll read through this little story. Simeon, a man that we're probably not super familiar with, but that's going to change this morning because this is really fun. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's 
consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. A little bit of backstory on this. What are they doing in the temple? It's Mary and Joseph. They've got baby Jesus. They're in the temple not long after Jesus' circumcision, which he did after eight days. And then there was a purification process. It was 33 days. And then you would return to the temple with an offering. So after that purification process happened, they're back now for an offering. So Jesus at this point, baby Jesus, would be a little over a month old. A little over a month old. And this is where our man Simeon finds Jesus. So for, uh, verse 5, 25 introduces us to that man, Simeon. And um, if you've never heard of him, that's because we don't really talk about him much. He's like hardly at all. Like I read the story and I was like, yeah, that's familiar. And I have to read the story because I don't remember the details. We don't talk about him much. He isn't tied to any major political events. He doesn't offer super valuable, expensive gifts. He doesn't have a fantastical sounding title like Magi or Wise Man. There's no flashy story of following a star or hearing the sound of an angelic host choir bellowing through the hills. So he's just not that spicy. You know, like, it's just not that exciting. Simeon's just a simple dude, devout something. He's simply described as righteous and devout. What's more is that the Holy Spirit was on him what was his source of comfort and guidance? God's own Holy Spirit. Even more is that we're told what this man's life purpose was in verse 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Death. The cloud that has been haunting every person since the first Death taps on the shoulder of us all from time to time. Can't really get away from that. No measure of, excess, of success, no measure uh, of money or fame or power can protect us from the truth, the simple truth that we are all on borrowed time, every one of us, borrowed time. Our man Simeon has been told that his life is secure until he sees the Messiah. Depending on who you tell that to, they might go a little crazy. I can jump off a building, you're saying? 
not really. But he knows, I'm not going to die until I see this Messiah, whoever that is. And think about how scary that is. Simeon's life work was to work towards death. That was his life work, work towards death. This man isn't working towards a long life. He's satisfied to hear the death knell. Satisfied to hear that. Why? Why is he okay with that? What could possibly be so great that a man would embrace the end without any fear? In total peace. That can only be answered by what's been promised through Scripture. You have to understand what this man was waiting for to understand the fearless peace of Simeon. I think that we can easily understand the desire of a person to not want to go on living, but that's not a peaceful desire. That's not an acceptance of death due to being satisfied with how your life has come about. That's escapism. Now, Simeon could go in peace because he was waiting for the redemption of the whole world. He was told by the Spirit that he would see the person who would do the impossible, the truly impossible, who would defeat both sin and death. Sin and death are the two main reasons to despair in life. Sin is the reason that people are evil to one another. Death signals the end of hope for redemption. After death, there's, you can't take it all back. There is no redemption arc for a dead person. But redemption has been promised to Israel. Simeon had grown up, surely would have grown up hearing and probably singing Psalm 130, which is one of the Song of Ascents, verses 7 and 8. He says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for there is faithful love with the Lord. And with him is redemption in abundance. They're looking forward to redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all iniquities. From all its iniquities. I think if you could boil it down in every single individual's life, what it is that we actually all want redemption from is our own internal messed up personhood. I think if we're all honest with ourselves, now for those of us who have accepted Jesus, we understand this, But up until that moment when we accepted Jesus and then believed that he redeemed us, that longing, that desire in us, that dissatisfaction with life was a realization of the brokenness inside. That we were born into a world that is filled with sin, evil, corruption. Psalm 130 promises to redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Simeon has been longing to see who could possibly redeem the whole earth. Who could do such a thing? Who could redeem every man, woman, and child? And finally the day came, and in verse 27 we read, guided by the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, And said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes 
excuse me, have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples. You guys, Simeon got to hold the redemption for all mankind. In his arms. And it put him at peace. Leviticus 12 tells us that the baby Jesus would have been a little over a month old at this time. It's earlier referenced. Do you know what a one-month-old baby can do? I had to look this up because I don't remember. I've got a little boy, but he's coming up on three years old now. And the one-month landmarks were a long time ago. A one-month-old can just now start to raise their head off the ground on their own. And they are able to start focusing on moving objects with both eyes. This is the landmark that Simeon picked up this baby at. This man has been seeking and waiting for the redemption of all people. And now that redemption is looking right back at him. Through the silent fathomless eyes of a baby. There is something holy, pure, and reverent about a, about a baby's eyes. You look into those things, and I've experienced this as becoming a father myself. I've experienced this weird, crazy, natural desire that just wells up to just protect at all costs this incredibly valuable little life. Recently had the opportunity to um, sit down at, at um, Cayman and Faith Kirkhart's house, and um, they had Banks there. And Banks is, I don't even know how old Banks is, a little older than a month, I think, but, um, but it's still very, very little. And I got to watch Mike hold, hold Banks on his lap. And... Uh, just seeing that that, little, that young one sit there, staring up at Mike's beard and trying to like grab at his beard, and seeing those eyes look around the room at everybody, able to feel certain emotions, joy, and just see the depths in those eyes, and the silence, and the fathomlessness, and to imagine Simeon's holding this baby Jesus, and those eyes are looking back at him. Eyes locked with Jesus in a moment that we can't possibly begin to grasp. Simeon praises God and says, Now you can dismiss your servant in peace. And why could he say that? He says, Because my eyes have seen your salvation. Salvation from what? The two things that torment the soul at the end, sin and redemptionless death. Well, that's great for a Jewish man 2,000 years ago, a devout Jewish man. What about us here today? Because we're living in a very different world. There's still plenty of evil in modern day America. The certainty of death still exists for each and every one of us today. 
Who all does God's word say this salvation was sent to us for? This little baby Jesus was sent to us. Who is us? Verse 32, he says, A light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. You don't find a whole lot of biblical examples in the Gospels of people recognizing Jesus' goal, the Messiah's goal to come here, not just to the Jews, not just to redeem Israel, but to save the whole world from beginning to end throughout all time, every Gentile, every Greek, every Jew, all the nations. You don't see a whole lot of individuals that recognize that and call that out. Who see a future where, certainly he wouldn't know it looked like this, but to see a future where every person sitting in this room would have access to salvation, redemption from sin, redemption from death. This man Simeon recognized it, a light for all Gentiles. That's you and me. It's everyone who isn't Jewish. God's plan from the beginning was to provide access to real peace and real joy for the whole earth. How did Simeon know this? The spirit may have simply told him, or he may have just known his scriptures. He may have just been a good student of the word. Isaiah 49, 6, where he may have read this. He says, It is not enough for you to be my servant, raising up the tribes of Jacob and restoring the protected ones of Israel. I will also make you a light for the nations to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. He grew up understanding that the Messiah would be the only, the one true hope that is worthy of faith for the whole world, for everybody. A true hope that actually satisfies, not one that burns and withers away, not one that fades with age, but a true hope that when faith is placed in it, actually satisfies, actually brings peace, actually provides joy. Now you can imagine that all of this would have been a lot for Mary and Joseph to take in. There's no indication that God told them every time something crazy was going to happen <laughs> with Jesus. Judging by how frantic they are when they can't find him and he's in the temple teaching, I'd say it's pretty obvious God doesn't always tell him. By the way, Jesus is going to do something crazy. But they're just there for the cleansing ceremony. And then some old stranger grabs your baby, says, Ah, I can die in peace now. <laughs> then just starts prophesying over him and over you. wild. I was going to say Simeon had a moment here, but the whole family had a moment here. And sure enough, they were truly amazed. Look at verse 33. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, indeed, this child is destined to call, cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul. And he gives them the purpose, the reason. 
that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. God sent his Messiah here to this earth, not for a physical redemption, not for an earthly kingdom, not to reestablish, not simply to reestablish the Jewish people as a superpower in the Middle East. The Messiah came to earth to literally redeem the hearts and souls of all peoples. True peace, true joy. Simeon knew the whole story, guys. When he held this baby, he knew all of it. This little baby that came to earth to save his own soul was going to be rejected, opposed, and then eventually struck down. As a father, I can't fathom holding that, knowing that. My soul would be torn apart if I saw all that future suffering in the eyes of innocence, knowing that the suffering was on my personal behalf. Simeon understood the assignment. The peace that he experienced as he met his Savior was meant for everyone, the whole world. That same peace was to be extended to every people of every tribe, of every nation, of every tongue. God's desire was to offer redemption to all people in every nation. That same baby Jesus came for you and he came for me. There was nothing that Simeon could do to change what God had set in motion. But because of Simeon's faith, he got to meet the hope of the whole world. That's what his faith in what God called him to led him to. Listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to him, go to the temple. I think half of us would have written that off as, huh, weird thought. And dismissed it. This man in full faith accepted what God was calling him to, followed each and every step, and ended up meeting the peace of the world. Worship team, you guys can come back up as I close. For those of us here today uh, who have been redeemed by Jesus' sacrifice, that peace that Simeon experienced is available to us here. Here and now, we don't have to be the sailor clinging to the wheel. I know some of us are right now. We don't have to be. We have the Holy Spirit within us. Our anchor is firmly set and ready to take us through the storm. It's there. The moment that we stop trying to get out of the storm, let go of the wheel, and actually do what the Holy Spirit is guiding us to do. That thing only we know in our prayer time. We know what God's calling us to, small to big and in between, the little things that God's called us to. 
we will find joy and peace in the middle of the storm. Not a way out of the storm. We will find joy and peace that says, I can be satisfied in this, in a broken world. Not because the storm is good, because the presence of our maker is good. We were fearfully and wondrously made. Faith placed in real hope is rewarded with genuine peace. Lord, as we continue our Advent series, as we celebrate the fact that you came, you came as an innocent, defenseless little child, a baby. We're filled with joy, we're filled with awe. We can't fully understand everything that you've done for us. But we recognize that you're worthy of our faith. You're a true hope. You're the real anchor. It's not a false hope. I pray as this week goes on, as we move through this Advent series, that as we read your word, we take it to heart. That our faith would be found secure in you. That we would not waver. I pray this over our little body here in Coeur d'Alene. That we would walk one extra step and grow one extra bit today. And lean more on your hope with full faith recognizing that that's what fills our peace and joy because you said so. Thank you for coming. Be honored and worshiped and glorified by our worship this morning as we honor your name. May it be a sweet, sweet aroma to you.